As I walked on through Chattel Street, a fair maid I did meet. She asked me to see her home, she looked and blinked straight to me away. Santi, my dear Annie, oh, you New York girls, can you dance the polka? The Long Haul Podcast, America's Irish Voice. Interviews with inspiring immigrants, renowned Irish personalities, and discussions on all things Irish America. Presented by Michael Dorgan and Johnny Kennedy. Yeah, they both missed. It looked like they Look, came together. He fell back on his own yep. angle yes, and broke yes. it. Watch they come together here. Oh, he missed. They both oh, missed. He, didn't looked, he? he oh, fell back on God. his own angle. Yeah, they both missed, right? One of Look the most. Look at that. Look at it's, it's, He actually broke his leg. The winner by TKO, Dustin the Diamond. This is not over. If we had to take this outside with him, it's all outside. We don't give a. Your wife is in me DMs, hey baby! Hit me back up on Chatty later on! We'll be at the party to win my club, baby! You're looking big, you little Well, a remarkable night in Vegas last weekend where Conor McGregor was carried out of the T-Mobile Arena in a stretcher after breaking his shin in his defeat to Dustin Poirier. The horrific leg break has raised questions about McGregor's future in the UFC in America, can he make a full recovery? Can he ever return to the top of his game? And if so, who are his likely opponents? Donna Corby, a combat sports reporter with The Mirror, is back on the show this week and delves into these questions and reviews McGregor's performance on the night. We also again take a look at McGregor's reputation after he threw more insults at Poirier's wife in the post-fight interview and I asked Donna if Joe Rogan was actually right to conduct the interview given McGregor's distressed state. You can follow Donna's top class reporting and analysis on Twitter via at Donna Carby, that's D-O-N-A-G-H-C-O-R-B-Y underscore. And don't forget to check out our updated website, thelonghallpodcast.com, for the latest Irish-American sports news stories, including New York GAA reports. All of our podcasts are up on the site too. If you'd like to suggest a story or submit one yourself, please DM us on social media. So I'm back here with Donna Corby from the Demur, uh, an MMA journalist. He was on with us last week to preview the Conor McGregor clash with Dustin Poirier. Um, it was touted, Donna, as the final chapter to settle a trilogy. But in the end, it probably raised more questions than it answered. Um, how did you think it went? What's your uh, prognosis on the fight? Yeah, look, it was uh, it was a good... Uh, event. It was a great event. There was a lot of uh, a lot of great stuff happening. Unfortunately, main event did not play out as many people wanted it to. I don't think that Dustin Poirier won the first round as decisively as everyone keeps saying he did. Mm-hmm. You know, um, a lot of people agree with. Uh, there was three judges, two of whom gave it a ten-eight. One gave a ten-nine to Poirier. I thought maybe Poirier won the round. I don't know that he was so dominant that it was ten-eight. I don't think that while he had the top control. He was getting in such an amount of work that I would say it was 10-8. But, you know, yeah, I thought it was um, I thought it was an interesting um, event. Like, you're, like you say, there's some questions raised. I do think, though, ultimately, we've probably seen the last of Conor McGregor at the absolute pinnacle 
of mixed martial arts. Uh, that injury is so gnarly. I've never seen anyone come back from an injury like that, really in any sport, and be top of the range. You know, I, I you look at uh, Eduardo, who was playing for Arsenal years ago, and he got an injury like that against Birmingham City in one game, and he he got back to playing for Arsenal, but he was never, you know, a world-class player again. And, and the same with Anderson Silva. He was considered the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. A lot of people still consider him that, but... Jeez, his record since he lost to Chris Weidman that second time is is really uh, not too great at all. And so, same with, I would imagine we're not going to see Chris Weidman come back and become middleweight champion again. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but certainly an injury like that really would exacerbate uh, whatever issues Connor has in terms of uh, should he come back or not. Like I, I would think if there were any questions about it, he, he, they're pretty much answered in that he has an injury like that. But that being said, if he does come back, then we can say goodbye to any questions about his hunger, because this is such an incredible injury to come back from. Uh, and I think he's definitely hungry if he does decide to make the return. Yeah, some people questioned his uh, his hunger coming into this. Uh, Donna, he, of mm-hmm. course, we know he sold the the whiskey business. He's worth over. He was the highest paid sports star in the world last year. He came into the arena, T-Mobile Arena, Saturday, and I thought he was just going to. He looked like the old Connor. He was pumped. Yeah. He was really aggressive. I thought he was going to clean house with him. He looked that that assured of himself. The crowd were behind him. Um, but that five-year gap of not of not being really at the, the top of his game of, of uh, fighting in, in MMA, do you think that's uh, coming back to haunt him at this stage? Yeah, look, at the end of the day, he's been around a long time. It's super difficult. You could do it if you were a footballer because to be a, a really high level, uh, or I suppose I should say soccer player, but also American football, I suppose, to be really high level in that, you don't have to... You know, you're not killing each other out there. Um, these guys are competing in a particularly dangerous sport. And it's not really, like, natural to want to fight like that. You really have to have a desire like like the the young, hungry fighters do. And, and look, not only does Conor have all this money and stuff, but Dustin Poirier was making the very good point. He's also got two world championships. He's also got all, like, his legacy precedes him. He goes down as one of the greats. We were talking about this last week. Is he the best? Probably not. But he goes down as as one of the absolute greats, as an absolute trailblazer for the sport. And it's very difficult to keep yourself motivated when you're at that high of a level. And and that's why he had to synthetically do it this time. He had to get rid of the wife and kids and, and lock himself away in California. He had to do all of these different things. You know, there really wasn't much of an issue between him and Dustin Poirier. The charity thing was uh, someone like Conor McGregor would get over that pretty quickly, particularly when he made the the other donation to a, a charity in in the area that that Dustin lives. You know, I, I, it's not the kind of thing that would have got under his skin. So it did seem like it was a synthetic um, hunger that he was developing within himself. And and look, that's fine, and maybe that'll work for some people, but it clearly uh, didn't necessarily work on Saturday night, and it's probably going to be tough to get back to the old Conor. Of course, it only went to one round, five minutes. Did you think he looked yeah. sharp? Sharp, at least when he was on the ground, he was landing some blows. Um, there's a bit of a bit of dispute about uh, who was on top down uh, on the ground. Uh, mm-hmm. Some people saying the Poirier wasn't exactly doing the landing a lot of shots, like grounding and pounding on the ground. Whereas Connor did get a couple of elbow shots into the head. Did you think he looked sharp? And potentially, if that if he, that that attempted at guillotine uh, came off, he could have snatched it. 
look, I thought that attempting a guillotine against someone like Dustin Poirier was the behavior of a psycho, to be honest. I thought there was no way he was ever going to get that. He actually got very close, but, you know, Dustin Poirier is, is elite on the ground. And I, if I were Connor, I would have maybe used the guillotine as if I were Connor. What a what a stupid thing to say. <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, I I would imagine that he probably would look back on that and go, yeah, I probably shouldn't have pulled guillotine. I probably should have tried to orchestrate something that would that would open it up a little bit more. But he obviously was confident in his abilities off of his back and uh, and decided he was gonna. I don't think it was a hail mary. I think he just legitimately thought he was in a good position for a guillotine. You know, so he tried it didn't necessarily work out. He ended up on his back, which is obviously not where you want to be against someone like Poirier. Did well. You know, I thought wasn't that bad. Um, I do think he probably lost the round. Certainly, if you count the last 10 seconds after he had already broken the, the leg, then obviously he lost the round because he was getting beaten up really badly yeah. then. Uh, but yeah, like up to that point, I thought he, I thought he did well. You know, I, I was impressed enough I didn't think he looked miles off the pace like some people were saying. I thought he looked a little bit off the pace. Nothing too crazy. And he could come back. It, had it not been for an injury that bad, he could come back. I don't know if he will. We'll see. Yeah, it's it's amazing now how the, the narrative can go both ways, that both fighters mm-hmm. can, well, obviously Poirier won it, but McGregor can also claim, you know, that he would have he would have won and he can hold that narrative for another year, the fact that he he's adamant that he would have won it in the second round, that he got up and it was just a, a, a freak incident. Yeah, look, it really does uh, get in the way of things because I'm not really super interested in seeing Poirier McGregor three or four, sorry, um, I think we kind of know where that goes. Uh, what I would love is for him to probably come back and, and look, it would be really nice if he fought a contender, if he fought someone in, you know, he's number seven now. If he fought someone, you know, I, I believe RDA is ranked a few above him. Like, that would be a nice fight. If he decided he was going to come back and try to contend. I also think he looked so well at the weight, particularly going into the rematch, the one in January, you know, he looked like he made 155 on the button super easily. I, the, I really do wonder, like, if he really pushed himself, if he, and that would get the hunger back if he went down to featherweight again. I think he'd have a lot of interesting matchups again. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know, um, how much I love. I would love to see McGregor versus Poirier uh, for, uh, and and I do, I also don't know that he would have won that fight if he didn't get injured. You know, I think we haven't really seen any indication that that's the case. But, you know. Yeah, I was listening to John Kavanagh in the aftermath. He said that they were practicing for the guillotine, that they identified that as a as an opportunity to take advantage of. And he said it was just uh, just just slipped out of reach. So they were they were practicing it. So it's it's, it's an interesting. Yeah. Uh... No, it, it makes sense. Like, I, I, like I say, I thought it was a crazy thing to do. I think a lot of people would agree with that. I think Dustin Borea would agree. I would yeah. imagine that when when Connor pulled the guillotine, I'm sure Poirier was thinking, I'm sure he was shocked initially, like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get out of this? And then immediately was kind of thinking, oh my gosh, this is great. This is yeah. such fantastic uh, work for me. But, you know, yeah, I think um, I think it wasn't that bad of a performance from Connor, to be honest. And I think pulling the guillotine, look, it, he tried something, didn't work. Um, he ended up back on his feet, so... Maybe he would have won, actually, now that I think of it. I have to watch it again. <laughs> I haven't watched it since since Saturday night, to be honest with you, Michael. I'm not sure if I'm going to. Um, you know, I, I I wouldn't be the biggest fan of rewatching Connor fights anyway. I think like 
there's more interesting uh, fights you can be watching. Like I do, obviously, like work-wise and stuff, I have to. But I haven't looked back on this one yet because I've been, you know, focused on other stuff throughout the week. But uh, yeah, I'll sit back and watch it. But now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe he would have won it. I don't know. But well, yeah, I, I think uh, ultimately, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone for the guillotine, but I also wouldn't have been in there because. You know he's Conor McGregor after all. So. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I would have given up a... when I got the hundred million. <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's amazing how you watch a fight live and then you'd watch it uh, when you watch the replay and it's a, you'd have completely different take uh, take yeah, on it. Exactly. I don't think you'd have the same kind of take take on soccer matches or other sports, but definitely boxing. You would see. Uh, Wait, you talk about MMA. things. I can't watch soccer matches back. I can't watch anything that's over like an hour. I I struggle to get through the ten minute highlights on Match of the Day, man. Let alone. <laughs> let alone watch a whole 90-minute football match. I think you'd have to be crazy to do that, but yeah. <laughs> so so the, obviously he broke his shin bone. Poirier has taken credit with blocking a few kicks that uh, weakened mm. the shin bone. What, what, are your, what are your takes on, on that? Yeah, a lot of people have been messaging me saying that their theory would be that he picked up an injury at some stage in the camp. I think John Cavanagh kind of touched on that a little bit as well. Like Maybe it wasn't an injury that they noticed and went to you know hospital with or whatever, but I think he probably was picking up knocks on that, you know, because yeah, it's the kind of thing that doesn't just snap, right? Like, like you and I, everyone walks around all the time. You take a step back if you're, you know, doing whatever. It, it doesn't happen all the time. It's a complete freak injury. So there probably was something more to it, but uh, we'll have to wait and see when the the full story comes out of of how his California camp went. You know. Yeah, Poirier said that he che- he checked one of his kicks, and you can see him pointing at one stage. Um, yeah, I I think sorry to interrupt you, but I think that Poirier's talking brown there. I don't yeah. know that that's uh, I, like he steps back and puts all of his weight on that foot again right after that check, yeah. and it doesn't collapse. So like you wouldn't be able to put even a little bit of your weight on that foot if it was as if he had broken it then and there. So yeah, it probably didn't help, but I think that. He just broke it stepping back off of uh, off of the kick that he threw. But but yeah, I, I think um, yeah, I, th- I think Poirier is wrong on that one. But yeah, then again, like I say, we'd have to look at it again and examine every every frame, and and we would probably need to be told by whoever it is, Kavanaugh, Owen, Roddy, some one of the the training partners. Oh yeah, no, this is this is what happened during training. So I'm sure the whole story will come out eventually. But I know the Connor doesn't love making excuses. I I know that he prefers winning you know the if he's lost he prefers to win again and then come and tell everyone what was wrong with him the first time which is kind of how fighters are in general he's not an excuse guy so i guess he's made some excuses but yeah i i I think we'll find out soon enough what the whole story was and then we'll be able to analyze it a bit better yeah he is in the past he's been quite uh honest in his post fight analysis hasn't he he goes through bit by bit he'd release uh clips on instagram or social media or whatever and he goes through them and same with kavanaugh they both they're both quite honest in when they're Mm. uh picking apart fights but um let's go let's go back so to when the 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 shin broke he fell to the ground uh there's more (laughs) in typical conor mcgregor fashion he went out all guns blazing win or lose he was making the headlines the following day he was on the ground joe rogan came over to him joe rogan's after getting into a bit of stick uh for interviewing on the ground from Mm. uh, one reporter to another would you have done the same thing (laughs) yeah no look uh, it's not even from one reporter to another although i i yeah i i appreciate that i'm sure you would have done the same michael but when it comes to just being a what 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 do they call journalists today? Content creator. Yeah. <laughs> uh, God Almighty, man, what great content that was. Uh, you know, he, he like it's it, Connor's got that angry look, and look, Connor seems 
from what we could see on social media, he seems almost delighted that the interview happened himself. You know, he posted pictures of it and said, oh, frame that in the studio, Joe, and all this stuff. So, yeah, yeah look, it was, uh, it was morally not the right thing to do. I think it was a bit of a silly thing to do from Joe, but uh, ultimately they got some great content out of it. And, and so the content creator in me or the journalist in me says, yes, great work. The human being in me says, oh, I probably wouldn't. I, I don't know that I would have done that. When he was shouting at the doctor, McGregor, he seemed to be yeah. quite, <laughs> quite with it. Like, so I, I, if I, you, I think he, Rogan had no choice but to chance his arm and uh, I went in. No, and for look, sure. You, you got that golden commentary, of course, and uh, that's going to tee up a, a fourth one, of course. Uh, but how did, you, how did you take the abusing uh, Poirier's wife going back into that nonsense? We talked about his reputation last week, especially among the Irish people. I know talking to people yeah. here, not held in the highest regard over the last couple of years, and I think he mm-hmm. came down another notch with a lot of Irish people with those comments at the weekend. Yeah, look, the whole thing with the Poirier wife and the DMs uh, from the fight week itself seemed, like I say, it was like synthetic. It was like something that he he wanted to get under the skin of Poirier as opposed to just entering into an athletic competition. And yeah, look, he entered an athletic competition with Poirier. He got a freak injury, but he lost said athletic competition. And he's been pretty good in the past at showing respect to his opponents and and at least accepting defeat, even like he didn't show any respect to Khabib Nurmagomedov, but he accepted that he lost the fight and, and was able to say, well, this is the point I lost it at, this is the point, you know. And, um, yeah, look, obviously, you know, those sorts of comments, uh, they're tough to hear, you know, it's obviously misogynistic, and I'm sure, you know, yourself, Michael, if you were, like, Poirier's handled himself pretty well afterwards, because I'm sure you would not have been as, as kind to someone making comments about your wife that way. Um, you know, so it was, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was uh, particularly, I guess, egregious. Um, I think poor Jolie Poirier is, is, you know, she's a side character. She's not someone, the same as Dee Devlin, really. Like, you know, Dustin didn't say a word about Dee, but, you know, like, and and there's certainly things that, like, if, if Dustin Poirier wanted to engage in that game, I'm sure it wouldn't be great for Connor either, you know. So, like, I thought it wasn't right. But then again, I suppose people are kind of right when they say heat of the moment, all of this stuff. But, you know, the whole thing was just ugly, man. It, the whole thing was ugly from really the initial press conference. From the, the first one, I think it was on Thursday night. It just wasn't – something was off. You could see at the press conference immediately. And, and I would say, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit uh, – just the, just the tiniest bit disappointed uh, in Connor this time around. So, yeah, I'm sure uh, I'm sure he'll be able to redeem himself though. He he hasn't managed to get too far uh, get get into too much trouble yet. Yeah, there's, uh, as you said, there's plenty of material there. If Poirier uh, mm-hmm. decided to get into those personal attacks, and uh, fairness, yeah. he ha- he's chosen not to. Um, I thought um, at the, the fight in January that McGregor had turned a corner in terms of his behaviour. He was all mm-hmm. f- friendly to Poirier beforehand, bowing. Um, and next thing, last week, back to the old McGregor, uh, back to the kind of, you could you could call it tuggery, I'd call it tuggery, he, even afterwards. And uh, coming off on the, the stretcher, his behaviour was just back to the old Connor. So is he beyond criticism to a certain extent? extent on it that nothing is going to affect uh his draw in terms of the mma or or 
getting a fight that's going to bring in money. He can, he basically can, he can almost do what he, what he wants at this stage. And it's, I don't think his reputation can be dented that much. Yeah, no, you're probably right, Michael. I don't know. Like it's, it's, uh, he's like, he's a superstar and it's probably different over where you are as well. Like some of the stuff hasn't quite, hasn't quite reached the States, right? Like I, I met with some friends who are particularly, you know, I lived in Brooklyn. Like I, I was meeting with some particularly liberal people and they weren't really sure of like all of this stuff about Connor. Like I went to watch his fight with Cerrone and this is of course the pub punch happened. There was some other stuff in the news as well that was, I thought, more widely reported on in the states than was allowed in in uh in the uk and ireland um and yeah it, none of it had really made its way over and you know his drawing power in the states is still going to be is going to be pretty good i'd imagine and look pay-per-view isn't where they live or die in in the uk and, and particularly ireland so it was it was the second biggest ufc event of all time um the numbers have come in 1.8 million buys, which makes it second only to McGregor versus Khabib. It means that McGregor is in seven of the top 10 pay-per-view events in UFC oh, history. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. His drawing power is not going to be too badly affected by a couple of rude words. <laughs> <laughs> now, he's plotting his return already, Donna. You wrote a piece in the Mirror um, mm-hmm. this week, uh, six potential uh, opponents for McGregor. Uh, when he does recover, probably let's let's be honest, wrong. It's going to be around twelve months. Um, talk us through some of the the the, the opponents you think he could face on his uh, comeback. Yeah, look, he uh, he could face. I would like uh, Jake Paul. No, I'm joking. Uh, I would love for him to fight Rafael dos Anjos next. Uh, he was on my list of, of the. But wouldn't six that opponents. be would would that not be an easier fight, uh, Donna, to come in and do a boxing fight rather than coming straight into an MMA clash where he's going to be putting extra pressure on that leg. Would like an exhibition boxing fight be like an easier stepping stone, an easier comeback? I'll tell you this much. There's no exhibition against Jake Paul. I think, <laughs> I think Big Jake Paul size, fan here. Big Jake Paul fan. <laughs> I think with the size and the reach and all of the, and the boxing experience of Jake Paul, I actually think it would be a more interesting fight than people give it credit for. It would not be a tune-up fight. I think that I think that Jake Paul in the boxing ring is a bigger is a tougher challenge than Donald Cerrone in MMA for someone like Conor McGregor. So yeah, I think uh, I think that would be an interesting one. I don't love the idea of him actually going to boxing though. I would like him to fight Jake a, a while down the line when he's truly finished with MMA. But yeah, I, I personally I know that in my list I had Nate Diaz at number one because that seems to be the fight that makes the most sense. But I know that Dana White isn't super keen on doing that trilogy, so. Yeah, RDA, maybe Javier Los Angeles. You know, they were supposed to fight in 2016. You don't think he would pull in the numbers, is it, for the Diaz trilogy? Look, for some reason, Dana White doesn't love that fight. You know, he Nate was the absolute last-minute replacement when yeah. Connor was supposed to fight Los Angeles the first time. And then they did the, the rematch, which was another record-breaking pay-per-view at the time. It's obviously been eclipsed multiple times over now by Connor himself. Um Actually, funny little side point. I mentioned that he's top seven of the top ten events. That doesn't include the Mayweather fight, which is double the highest UFC event ever. So it's even bigger than all of those put together. So anyway, yeah, like he that was a huge drawing. The second fight was huge. They actually canceled the second fight because Connor wouldn't go to the press conference initially. It was supposed to be at UFC 200 in July of 2016. They ended up moving it back to, I believe, August, maybe even the start of September. I can't remember. 
uh, off the top of my head when it was at UFC 202. So, yeah, don't, Dana White isn't super keen on, on McGregor-Diaz as a whole concept, even though mm. Connor wants to do it. And, and look, I do think that it's kind of an ace in the hole. I think that it's one of those, like, if they're in trouble, if they need a few quick bucks, they can uh, they can go for uh, McGregor-Diaz because athletically, it doesn't really do much for either fighter. Like, Connor's not really a welterweight of any renown. Um, and if and Nate has said he doesn't want to go back to lightweight, but if they did it at lightweight, Nate is certainly not a, a lightweight of, of great renown in terms of uh, his in terms of just athletically, just speaking in terms of rankings and things like that. He's not someone who would get I, I, like even Leon Edwards beat him fairly convincingly, and still Leon Edwards is not getting a title shot. He might even be behind Gilbert Burns again. We don't know. Um, so I think yeah, Nate Diaz doesn't fit into those plans right now, which is why I, I keep beating the drum for, for Rafael Dos Anjos. Um, but those two uh, Diaz fights, they took a lot of the, they took a lot out of both fighters, didn't they? Would another one be, would that be like, exert a lot of damage on Look, him coming to... I think Nate Diaz isn't that good, to be honest with you. I think that he got, I don't know that it's lucky in the first fight. I think that Connor gave himself an almost insurmountable set of obstacles. Uh, jumping up two weight, yeah. weight classes on a week's notice is nuts. Uh, he he went from fighting Dos Anjos, who would have been, you know, a good grappler, but someone who he was going to stand and strike with. And of course, Diaz is someone who you stand and strike with as well, and he was willing to do that in the first round. But he chose to take the Diaz fight, I thought in crazy circumstances, lost, came back, managed to do it in the second one. I think that people remember the second fight being a whole lot closer than it actually was. I don't know that it was that that really close. I think the Connor struggled a little bit with the uh with the, the stamina, you know, towards the, the end, but I thought ultimately Nate like Nate Diaz is vastly overrated. He's you know he beat Connor at a time when it was always going to be difficult to, to win. And, and yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily love it either, to be honest. Like I, I think, I think Connor would beat him. I think it would be tough. He would probably have to go five rounds to do it. But as long as he's doing his McGregor fast exercises and all of that stuff, I can't see a way that Nate Diaz really beats him uh, from what we have seen in the last few years. Um, so yeah, I personally don't love that fight. I think it's not that interesting. Um, and I think Connor wins it even at this stage of his career. Okay. I talk us through some of the other ones, uh, some of the other uh, potential opponents. Yes. Yeah, so, so look, I've, I've kind of talked about RDA already. I think, um, I think RDA is, is the perfect opponent. You know, they had the little fracas before, um, before the, the fight over the weekend. I know that RDA was the, the replacement fighter. So he was going to make weight in case something happened with Poirier and McGregor. They had a little back and forth at the, the UFC Performance Institute. So there's a little bit of something there. And of course, they were supposed to fight in 2016. The whole shape of Conor's career changed when Dos Anjos pulled out. You know, he, he fought Nate Diaz. He lost. He, you know, had to go back and fight Nate again, which pushed back the eventual fight with Eddie Alvarez that, that was for the title. And that ultimately meant that he became... Uh, he he ended up boxing Floyd Mayweather in 2017, which I'm sure they would have loved to have done in 2016, while Mayweather was still pretty hot off of the back of beating Manny. Uh, he had he had fought Andre Berto between, but he was still hot off off of beating Manny Pacquiao and then fighting Andre Berto. So, yeah, I think uh, 
RDA would be a great fight. Then you got Justin Gaethje, who for me stylistically is the perfect matchup for Connor. I think he's someone who will stand there and allow Connor to do exactly what he wants to do on the feet. He's a great wrestler. He's not going to use any of that as we saw against uh, against Khabib. And, and as we tend to see in this sport, Yoel Romero is another great wrestler at middleweight who just doesn't take people down. He could have easily beaten Israel Adesanya with the skill set he had and he chose not to. Justin Gaethje, the same. He he could easily beat Connor if he chose to use the skill set properly. He won't. And Connor, I think, would beat him. Michael Chandler, actually a really exciting fight as well. I actually really love the Michael Chandler fight. Um, I would imagine the loser of Gaethje and Chandler, which is supposed to be happening in a few weeks, I would imagine the loser of that, excuse me, <clears throat> would probably face Connor um, because the winner will face the winner of Oliveira and, uh, and Poirier. So I would love Chandler versus McGregor. Michael Chandler, of course, formerly the the uh, the primary face of of Bellator. So that's another little angle. You know, you yeah. have the greatest in Bellator versus reason, yeah. the greatest in the UFC. Um, you know, that would be a lot of fun. So yeah, Chandler and, and McGregor, and then of course I, I I have in there as well. Mayweather's never going to happen. I just put it in there for a little bit of fun, you know. <laughs> and uh, and of course then number five, Jake Paul. And look. I'd love Conor McGregor to fight Jake Paul. I'd love for there to be a little bit more to it, though. Like, I'd love if... Like, Jake last fought in, in April. He's going to fight again in August. Maybe if he smashes Tyron Woodley and, you know, gets a, a big win there. I think Woodley's a tough fight for him, but I, I think the size is too much. I think the size is too much for Conor. I think that Jake would give Conor a very serious fight. Uh, from what I hear in, in Jake's camp, he and his brother Logan are doing very, very well at the moment. His brother Logan... Uh, got back inspiring a couple of days ago for the first time since his bet with Mayweather. And, and Jake is, of course, you know, hard at work for August 29th when he fights Tyron Woodley. So, yeah, I, I think the Jake Paul and McGregor fight would be a lot of fun, but not right now. What weight is uh, Jake Paul? Gigantic. He's 200 pounds right now walking around. He's going to fight Woodley at 190. So I guess he could probably, if it meant fighting someone at the level of Conor McGregor, I'm sure he could cut the extra 10 and get to 180. Um, you know, uh, and that would like obviously he wouldn't want to, he he would love to not do that. But if it's a fight of the magnitude of fighting Conor McGregor, he probably would be able to. Uh, but I think yeah, size wise, reach wise, Conor's never will have never fought anyone that big. You know, just uh, density wise in his career. So I think yeah, it's a real. It, there's a lot of intriguing factors there that would make that more interesting than than Logan versus Floyd was. And it would probably make it more... Like, to be honest with you, I don't see a great deal of interest in McGregor Poirier 4. I think we all kind of know how that would generally go. So I think Jake versus Connor is not a million miles away, but it really, really is not something we should be talking about for another little while yet. And what about a potential appearance in the WWE? That would be great. And look, Tyson Fury did that when he was injured. Now, that wasn't yeah. as severe of an injury, but he wasn't able to fight after he fought um, Otto Wallen, which was his last bout before the rematch with Wilder. Did he get he 10 million an... for that, Fury? Was that... Yeah, that sounds right, because there was a Saudi Arabia deal involved in that. Yeah. So they wouldn't necessarily pay Tyson Fury that if it was just for American shows, but these Saudi shows pay obscene amounts. And you know they really wanted the World Heavyweight Champion there, and, and they were going to have Joshua there in December, and I'm sure they wanted to introduce Tyson as well as Joshua to... Yeah the the market there so i'm sure there was a lot of different reasons for why he got paid so well but yeah conor mcgregor in the wwe would be massive um i think 
it's something he could do when he's in better shape. Like I, I think he could do it while recovering, while doing his rehab. There's ways around uh, getting involved in that. But yeah, I think, um, I think to be honest with you, a little run in the WWE would be a nice way to break things up for him for a little while. He's also tiny though by wrestling standards. Like he he yeah. walks around about 175, 180, which would be minuscule compared to a lot of these guys. So he'd probably end up having to wrestle with the 205 live fighters. But yeah, I think uh, that would be a lot of fun. Hey, uh, Floyd Mayweather took on the big show. That's true. That's true. And Floyd knocked him <laughs> knocked out, man. Him that out. Was, that's true. That's true. So yeah, I think Connor could easily knock out uh, not Braun Strowman anymore, but who's the big uh, the, I know AJ Styles is a big giant with him at the moment, Jordan. Uh, Jordan is his first name. I can't remember his surname, but yeah, let's do Conor McGregor versus the seven foot guy that hangs out with AJ Styles. That'll be fun. Do you think he's any regrets? Um, I, I probably know the answer to this. It's no, but stepping away from M- McGregor, stepping away from MMA a couple of years ago to fight Floyd Mayweather, obviously won all that cash. He was able to launch the whiskey the following day or the following night. And he's actually, he's after cementing his places as he's set for life, hundreds of millions of dollars in the bank. Mm-hmm. But his legacy is an, 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 an MMA fighter. If he was to stay at the top of his game the last couple of years, how far do you think he would have went in the, in, in the sport? I don't know, to be honest with you. Like his, his first contender would have been Khabib. If he never fought, um, mm. if he never fought Mayweather, he would have probably had to either jump back down to featherweight and defend against... There wasn't really many options at the time. I think Max Holloway was was beating Josie Aldo around that time, so he would have had to do a rematch with Max Holloway, who he beat on one leg. Not a super intriguing rematch, or he would have had to fight Khabib, who, as we found out, probably would have beat him. Um, I don't think it would have been as comprehensive. I think, like, my personal theory is that Khabib was on the undercard of McGregor's fight with Alvarez in New York at UFC 205, and I believe that if Alvarez had pulled out and Khabib had been elevated to that main event, on that particular night, Connor would have actually beaten Khabib. I think there's literally no lightweight in the world in history who could have beaten Connor that particular night. Um, but, you know, yeah, look, at that point, he really had kind of cleared out featherweight. Frankie Edgar wasn't really a very realistic uh, prospect anymore. Now, there were a few decent names he could have fought at lightweight. He could have jumped up to welterweight as well, and that really would have been legacy defining you know and i think woodley would have been a real interesting fight for him i think Usman at the moment would smash him i think kobe covington would probably beat him um but yeah i think uh i th- i think look it was it was good for his legacy at the time remember he went over to boxing he almost beat mayweather mm. and that's true he did almost beat mayweather like he he performed particularly well i thought it was a little bit of an early stoppage he would have lost the fight regardless but i thought maybe the referee could have let that go a little bit longer. Um, and yeah, I think it was ultimately not that bad for his legacy, but he probably should have rode off into the sunset then. He probably should have taken the 100 million, said, here's my whiskey business. Uh, maybe I'll do one more, like, mm. you know, maybe not Khabib, but if he'd fought like maybe Poirier again then, who he probably would have beaten at the time, um, and done, you know, that sort of thing then his legacy would be cemented. You know, I, I I think I said it to you last week as well. I think his legacy was also hurt by between the Poirier fight and the and the Mendez fight, the first one with Poirier and, and the Mendez fight where he won his interim title. He fought a guy called Dennis Seaver in between. That hurt his legacy too. 
because people took that one fight, which was a step back from Poirier, and thought, oh, they're feeding McGregor all these guys. But he had just beaten Max Holloway, who was a future champion. He'd just beaten Diego Brando, who had won the Ultimate Fighter. He'd just beaten Dustin Poirier, who would eventually become a future champion. So yeah, he beat Dennis Eber, but then he beat Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo. And it's like, if you looked at that on paper now, it'd be like Holloway, Mm. Brando, Poirier, Mendes, Aldo, Diaz, Alvarez, all in a row. And it's like, that would have been an incredible resume to have. But yeah, I think his legacy, I think his legacy is honestly fine. And also Floyd Mayweather had that great quote after the Logan Paul fight. His kids can't eat legacy. And, uh, (laughs) And that's very true. That's true. Perfect, Donna. And um, I just wanted to ask you on your take, Fury and Wilder. Fury beat them Dev- all day. Uh, well, I'm devastated it's been moved. Um, you know, I to be honest with you, I have no idea because we've never seen... Fury's the same as Conor. We've never seen him defend a world title. Um, so we don't know what he's like after achieving that ultimate goal. I mean, he's won every single belt there is to win in boxing. He beat... Vladimir Klitschko, who was the super champion at the time, and then he obviously took a lot of time off. He came back, returned to the elite level. I thought, I thought along with a lot of people, that he, he beat Wilder in the first fight, and then he put a decisive finish on that in the second fight, after having also beaten Tom Schwartz and Otto Wallen. So, you know, we'll see. I think Wilder does have that great equalizer, but he's also severely limited in his technical boxing ability, as you know. So, look, he could knock Fury out. It's possible. I'd be very surprised. Um, And we'll see in October, maybe, uh, if that fight ever does happen. It's not super interesting to me. It's not the kind of thing that I'm dying to see. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, if if they can get through it well... And whoever wins can fight Anthony Joshua or Alexander Usyk next, which, by the way, is an actually very interesting fight. I'm much more interested in what happens with Usyk and Joshua because I think Usyk is a legitimate pound-for-pound pound great. Dante Wilder's no pound-for-pound pound great. Um, I think that Usyk is a harder fight for Joshua than Wilder is for Fury. So I would hope that uh, the winner of of Usyk-Joshua, which will probably be Joshua, but it's a tough fight to call, uh, will will fight uh, the winner of Wilder Fury, and and I know that it would be easier to do if Fury is the one who wins, because I know that Wilder is particularly difficult to work with, uh, as Eddie Hearn has said. So um, I would love to see Tyson Fury win that fight. God knows if it'll actually happen, though. Okay, and just a shout out to our uh, Irish brother uh, Sean O'Malley who. Uh... Well, also won at the weekend. <laughs> oh man, that was crazy, man. Yeah, that like, <laughs> look, there's a few. Yeah, like, look, Chris Chris Moutinho is a is a killer, man. Look, and and there were points in that fight where I thought, you know, maybe he kind of jumped the shark, or maybe you know that fight was um was going to be finished. But I I think they probably should have let it go, right? Like Moutinho had already taken whatever damage he was going to be taking. Yeah. Come on, bro. Like thirty I've never seconds. I've seen a guy he... taking a beating. That hard, that you severe. Know, you know what was so nuts, though, was I legitimately thought, with about going into the third round, I legitimately was saying to people, I think that Moutinho is about 10 good leg kicks away from this fight being really interesting <laughs> in the third round. Uh, obviously, that ended up not being the case, but I do think that uh, he's earned himself another shot in the UFC. Certainly, he has indicated that he's got the toughness 
to fight a, a, a good quality bantamweight. You know, like I was saying to you before we got on air, like Sean O'Malley's knocked out some serious Donnies, man. Like Eddie Wineland is no joke. And he knocked him out with one punch. Uh, so, yeah, I think um, I think Sean O'Malley's going to do great things. Uh, but, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be... Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what he does next. I know that his after party sounded pretty interesting from what I heard uh, from, from people on podcasts and stuff. So, yeah, he's he's certainly a character to watch, and I hope he fights over here someday. Okay, Donna. Thanks a million, and uh, hopefully we'll have some uh, Irish fighters back here in the coming months before the end of the year. For some and hopefully fights. me too. I knew. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you very much for having me, Michael. I, I've never – I don't know how the, the numbers were, but I've never – had such a response from people uh, who who enjoyed something that I've been engaged in so much. Uh, so many family members messaging me. They all thought you were a great host, and uh, <laughs> and of course they thought that that uh, that the episode was good. So I appreciate you having me on twice. No uh, it, it means it's a great honor. deal to me. And, and your, thank your you, story. Sir. A lot of people said it to me. Your backstory. If people want to go back and listen to, listen to the opening ten minutes about <laughs> that CAO farm and how important it is to, to fill out. Yeah. And uh, fair play to you. You're excelling in the in the industry. No, look, thank you very much, man. I can't wait for uh, for round three sometime in the future. <laughs> no problem, Donna. Thanks a million, man. And that's all for this week. Let us know what you think by leaving us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Long Haul Podcast. Is this the end of McGregor, or can he come back again? Who is to tell? Please subscribe to the podcast on YouTube or your streaming provider to ensure that you get instant notifications for all new show releases. You can follow Donna's top class reporting and analysis on Twitter via at Donna Corby. That's D-O-N-A-G-H-C-O-R-B-Y underscore. And don't forget to check out our updated website, thelonghaulpodcast.com, for the latest Irish-American sports news stories, including New York GAA match reports. All of our podcasts are up on the site too. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review with your podcast provider. This will ensure that we can get even more podcasts to you more often. And thanks for listening. Girls, can you dance the polka? And when we got inside the house, the drinks were passed around. The liquor was so awful strong, my head went wrong.